You're listening to the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Romanella. Ain't no loyalty in this game. If the cup was to be in a strip club, I feel like the cup would be getting dollar bills thrown at it. And Anthony Rinaldi. Get some beer. Get some whatever. Start celebrating. We're throwing single dollar bills at the ladies out there. He is still doing a keg stand from game five. The show starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome in humans. This is the Double A Balls Podcast Friday, dab number 27. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and it is going to be a solo dolo jam for the dab podcast today as my partner, Anthony Rinaldi, as we say, is out on assignment, hopefully improving the dab podcast. So we're going to move forward here today, reminding you, ladies and gentlemen, that that's, this Friday dab 27 is brought to you by digmenation.com. Head over to digmenation, use the promo code digthedab18, that's dab with two A's, on anything you want on that website, hats, t-shirts, whatever it is, digmenation.com, official sports podcast of the guy in the tie and of course, Head over to Instagram, to Twitter, Dab Podcast on both dabpodcast.com as well as dabpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, iTunes, Google Podcast, and Spotify. People, we tell you every week, you have to rate the podcast. We appreciate the listens. We love the listens. That's what drives us. But we also want the five-star ratings as well so we can move that rating up on the iTunes meter if you know what I'm saying. Let's dive into it because it is a World Series edition of the Friday Dab. And the Boston Red Sox are proving right now in the playoffs and more specifically in the World Series, why they are the best team in baseball throughout the entire year. And before I give you any statistics or we talk about game one and games two and we talk about whether or not this could be a sweep and we get you prepared for game three tonight and New England, and I hate, I hate to say this to a lot of people out there, but that area, New England, Boston, the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Patriots, and the Bruins, don't forget the Bruins, all four of those teams could be considered pretty much powerhouses. Maybe not the Bruins because the lack of Stanley Cups in terms of dynasties and the Celtics recently in terms of championships, but they're always there. You can date it back to 2001 when the, the Patriots beat the Rams for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's first Super Bowl, but when The Red Sox broke the curse in 2004. It was over. Over. And I think you look back on it now, 
And maybe it's because I live in the New York market and I look at how bad the Knickerbockers are. I look at the dumpster fire that is the New York Giants right now. I also I also look at the fact that the one team in New York right now, maybe the two because the Knicks are trending, I would say, trending in the right direction. I mean, they do this to us every year. They play good the first few games of the year, get everyone all excited, and then end up being terrible. So my guess is that's what happens all year. I just want to see if they compete. But the fact that the New York Jets are the best team in the New York market right now, personally, I'll consider the New Jersey Devils. But the common fan that probably doesn't watch the National Hockey League is going to say that right now, as currently constituted, the New York Jets are the best team in New York sports. I just want that to sink in for everybody. That gives you the idea and gives you the state of where New York sports are. And it also, as you watch the Boston Red Sox possibly creep forward for their third excuse me, fourth World Series title since 2004, you say to yourself, it is undeniable that let's make this thing easy. Since the year 2000, for the last 18 years, Boston, New England, has been the best sports town, market, area in the United States of America, across the four professional sports. And the Red Sox right now in the World Series are putting the icing on the cake. They're not the frosting. They're not even the sprinkles. They're the extra toppings, the candles that, not the candles that you can eat, you know, like the, I forget what it's called. My sister does a lot of baking where you have the, the the pieces and they maybe they have faces on them or they have a sports team or you know whatever and you can eat them as well they like dissolve in your mouth it's like a super sugar rush your tongue's always blue after you eat it that's what the red Sox are right now it's like the bonus material on the cake it's like what makes the cake go from like a 7 or an 8 to a 10 in looks that's that's what it is and the fact that they host the Los Angeles Dodgers at home, find themselves tied in game one, their ace, Chris Sale, against the ace of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw. Both not very good, I'll tell you that. But at the end of the day, the Red Sox get the best of Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers. They win that game 8-4 to four in large part due to a pinch hit three-run laser of a home run by Eduardo Nunez. That was huge, huge pinch hit dinger. So that changed the game, and that took the game from 5-4 to the eventual score of 8-4. The Red Sox had already taken the lead, but that was the nail in the coffin for the Boston Red Sox. And huge, huge, huge day for Andrew Benatendi, who you think about the Red Sox, you think about there's three B's in that lineup that generally come to your mind first. 
The first one you're going to hear the most about is Mookie Betts. The second one is Xander Bogarts. And now, more so than ever, because I think he hit like 220 during the year, but he was the ALCS MVP. The other one is Jackie Bradley Jr. And you talk a lot about those three guys. I believe they're the the one, the, the five, and the nine hitter or something like that in the Red Sox order. But the guy that, that needs to get the love is Andrew Benatendi, at least right now. Because Andrew Benatendi has been the wild card, per se, the difference maker for the Boston Red Sox. You've seen it all postseason. His name has come up. He, he, he starts, I believe it was against the Houston Astros in his first game of the series and goes like four for four, or five for five, or has a ridiculous day. He comes in game one of the World Series when you need it most, when you know it's such an important game. And he goes four for five with three runs scored and a ribby. And every bit of that was needed for the Red Sox. And of course, every string Alex Cora pulls right now is the right string. You see that, A, when you get a pinch hit home run like that. But B, when you see the way Alex Cora is manipulating this pitching staff, coming into this World Series, one of the biggest, if not the Biggest question mark was the bullpen for the Boston Red Sox. You looked at it and said, great, they have Craig Kimbrell, and that's pretty much all they have. Nate Eovaldi, who's also starter for the Red Sox, who they got in a trade for the from the Rays. Why take Nate Eovaldi out of the bullpen right now? You're up 2-0. You might not need Nate Eovaldi to even start a game in the World Series Because in game three tonight, you have Rick Porcello on the hill, who, oh, by the way, Cy Young Award winner, possibly one of the more underrated starters in our game, or less talked about top-tier starters in our game. Listen to the last three games for Nathan Eovaldi of the Boston Red Sox. He's pitched 3.1 innings. Oh, by the way, all of those in relief. He's had two strikeouts. He's given up one hit. One hit in 3.1 innings out of the pen. And if I do some quick math, 48 pitches in those 3.1 innings. And just to put the icing on the cake for the World Series and the playoffs that Nathan Eovaldi is having in five appearances in this playoffs. The Boston Red Sox have won every single game that Nathan Eovaldi has played in. Two of them, he started. Seven innings against the Yankees, that was the 16-1 to shellacking in New York. Then a six-inning outing against the Houston Astros, He did not get the win, but his ball club got the win, which we all know in October is literally the only thing that matters. His third outing, fourth and fifth, we just mentioned, and of course we know how he did there. Nathan Eovaldi has been the difference maker for the Red Sox, probably out of the pen, more so than anything else. Two great starts. Craig Kimbrell figured it out. He went four straight outings in the playoffs with giving up a run. It's the first time in his career. Craig Kimbrell, the closer for the Red Sox, has ever given up four straight games in appearances with a run. That's the first time ever he comes out. He lo- he shuts the door down. 
And then you saw what happened in game two. I said it to my partner, Mr. Rinaldi, a few episodes back, and I'm going to keep saying it. If Chris Sale wins a game, his first as a starter in this playoffs, the Boston Red Sox are winning the World Series. Well, Chris Sale won game five against the Houston Astros, the biggest game of that series because it closed the series. Huge monkey off his back. Then he comes out in game two because I think now that he has solved this puzzle of getting a win in the playoffs as a starter, he comes out and goes six innings, two earned, and those were both in the fourth inning. That actually put the Dodgers up two to one at that moment in time. Five Ks and only three walks. Would I say David David Price, excuse me? That's where my Mets mind goes, David Wright. Oh. What could have been? Well, I digress. David Price wasn't by any means spectacular. He was what he needed to be. And that's all the Red Sox needed. And then J.D. Martinez comes out in the fifth, and Rue was terrible. He he was not good. And nor was Madsen when he came in for the Dodgers. I was surprised that David Roberts went back to Madsen, who's been terrible, and he walks on five pitches, I believe, walks in the tying run, and then J.D. Martinez comes up, and because he's such a great hitter, and J.D. Martinez is probably going to be the MVP of this series, even though I just made a great case for Andrew Benatendi and probably made a solid case for Nathan Eovaldi to win something, J.D. Martinez is going to be the MVP of this series. He was only one for four in that game, but oh, by the way, that one was the two RBI single that made this game four to two for the Boston Red Sox. And between David Price and the bullpen that we just talked about for the Red Sox, which included Joe Kelly, Nathan Eovaldi, and Craig Kimbrell, they combined to retire the last 17 Los Angeles Dodgers to close out that game. And that's why all you needed was a jam shot single to right field by arguably your best hitter and your best player right now, J.D. Martinez. And again, going back to the bullpen and the pitching, therefore the Red Sox sit there two to nothing. And I think the biggest thing for me when I look at this series has been, of course, it's only been two games. But why I just believe I think that the Red Sox are just going to close this thing down in L.A. Do I think the Dodgers are going to win a game? Yes. I think that lineup is too good. I think that their manager, Mr. Roberts, is going to realize that he made bad decisions in not batting the guys that hit the most home runs on his team, more specifically Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy, who did not play because he was trying to match up Uh, righties on righties and lefties on lefties or whatever the hell he's trying to do. I disagree wholeheartedly. I don't care if there's a guy on the hill that can throw left-handed or right-handed and kick the ball to the plate 98 miles per hour. This is the World Series. World Series. Earth to Mr. Roberts. Last year, you lost this World Series because you weren't a good manager. And when you needed it most, your guys did not show up. Listen, I give you all the kudos in the world. 
Getting there two years in a row is one of the hardest things to do in sports. You play a 162 season. This year they played a 163. Then you have to go through the rounds of the playoffs. And for the Dodgers, they're going from warm weather to cold weather. They're behind. Remember, everybody, when it's an 8 o'clock start, In Boston, that's a 5 p.m. game for the Los Angeles Dodgers and their fans. That's why the ratings are down from previous World Series. But you have to factor those things in. Is that all all an excuse as to why they lost the first two? No, not at all. No, not at all. They didn't play well. Their lineup didn't show up. You can't have three hits in game two of the World Series and expect to win a ball game. That's the bottom line. Doesn't matter who you're facing. Can't have three hits in a World Series game and expect to win the ball game. And it's funny because you do so much analytic-driven work. You look so much into shifts and so many of the organizations are turning into what do the numbers say? Who should we play? Because the numbers say this. The numbers say that. You know what I realized from Alex Cora? And this would be a really good lesson for the Dodgers and their coaching staff to recognize. You just have to have feel. We have, a sta- we have that statement around college baseball. Have feel. The idea of having feel is being able to read a situation. Not saying something dumb when the wrong people are around. Not walking past a police officer in a trash can and throwing your trash not in the trash can. Just having an idea. Right now, the Dodgers staff does not have an idea. Cody Bellinger is the... One of the reasons you are in the World Series and he is not starting in the World Series, I do not care to see anybody that's not named Cody Bellinger play center field for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I do not care if Randy Johnson in his prime is on the mound. It does not matter at all. All you got dudes in your lineup that should not be in your lineup. Listen, David Freeze is a good ball player. David Freeze is the reason the St. Louis Cardinals have another World Series in their organization's trophy case. Because when we all thought it was finally time for that Ron Washington led Texas Rangers back to back, ooh, weird, same as the Los Angeles Dodgers manager that makes bad decisions in big games I just hope it doesn't go down the same path it did for Ron Washington with the extracurricular activities off the field for Dave Roberts that's neither here nor there back to back you thought the Rangers were going to win finally and David Freeze comes up and he changes the course of history the course of the Texas Rangers franchise history and the course of the St. Louis Cardinals franchise history because every single person Watching that game in the building and on TV, not named David Freeze, believed that game was over and that World Series was over. So I don't mind having him in the lineup, okay? But the fact that you're not going to have Max Muncy in your lineup is A, ridiculous, and B, the fact that you're not going to have Cody Bellinger in your lineup is B, ridiculous, Put David Freeze in the DH slot when you play in Boston the first two games. You have Cody Bellinger in center field, and you have Max Muncy at first base. Max Muncy hit 35 home runs this season. 35 home runs this season. 
He proved to you that he can hit the baseball. He wasn't having a great postseason. Two home runs, five RBIs, seven total hits, and 36 at-bats. Nothing spectacular. But as we've learned in today's baseball, and as you saw in Game 1 specifically, we talked about Nunez's home run. It was a game-changer. So much of baseball is home runs. The Boston Red Sox are a team that doesn't live and die on the home run. But the Los Angeles Dodgers, I wouldn't say they live and die on the home run, but... I also wouldn't say they are offensively a juggernaut. Let's put it that way. So if you're not offensively a juggernaut, I mean, this is the same Dodgers team that last year had Curtis Granderson playing for them in the World Series. So it's been a year or two. I mean, here are the names. Listen to some of these names. Manny Machado, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, Brian Dozier, David Freeze, Chris Taylor, Matt Kemp, Yasiel Puig. I mean, these are all guys that you know. These are these are all these are all good ball players, but they're not a power scary lineup. I'm scared of Machado. Yeah, sure, and he's been playing well this postseason. I'm probably a little afraid of Justin Turner. Yeah, sure, absolutely, and I'm afraid of Yasiel Puig. Other than that, without Bellinger in the lineup, who's proven he can do it in the playoffs. And probably that without Muncie, simply because of the amount of home runs that Muncie's hit this season, it doesn't really scare me. There's holes in that lineup. And Enrique Hernandez is, is a nice player. I'm not saying he's not because Enrique Hernandez is generally the guy, another guy, much like David Freeze, Jock Peterson. These are good players that get thrown in the lineup when guys like Cody Bellinger don't start or guys like Max Muncie don't start. It's great. Chris Taylor, great. Good ball players. But in the World Series, you need your best lineup. So you don't have any holes. And if you do have a hole because it's a lefty on a lefty and it's Cody Bellinger hitting the leadoff spot, I'll take that. I'm not saying Brian Dozier is a bad baseball player. I like Brian Dozier. Actually, it's quite contrary. I thought that was a great trade. Put him in the two hole. Cody Bellinger, Brian Dozier, Justin Turner, probably... Max Muncy, Manny Machado, Matt Kemp, and whoever else the hell you want to go. Because right now, Yasiel Puig's been hitting in the bottom of the lineup. I don't know if that if when they go home and, and they're facing a righty, he's going to hit at the top of the lineup. But as the Dodgers are currently trending, if they keep up with the decisions they were making in Boston, they're going to lose this World Series in four games. Brian Dozier in the two-hole. Cody Bellinger in the one hole. I don't care if a lefty comes out of the bullpen. I don't care if somehow Chris Sale bounces back and starts game four of this series in LA. I do not care. Bellinger, Dozier, Turner. If you do it that way, you're cookies. Or I got an even better one. Bellinger, Puig, Turner. And then you put Dozier in the nine hole. Well, you're going back to the NL Park. So depending on how you want to do that with your pitcher, do you want to put pitcher in the eight hole and put Dozier in the nine hole? Do you want to put Dozier in the nine and and the pitcher Dozier in the eight and the pitcher in the nine? That's your decision. But if it's me, 
and I'm facing Rick Porcello, who's a guy that I'm going to want to tell my players, we need to be fastball happy and jump. Jump when you see a fastball and jump early. We need to get out early. First inning, swinging. I want my bats that are going to swing. Cody Bellinger, hacks. He's going to swing it. Yasiel Puig, he's going to swing it. Justin Turner, he's going to swing it. And for for, for that conversation, Muncy's going to swing it. Then Machado's going to swing it. That's a, that's a difficult top five to navigate through. But when you sp- split that up too much, when you put Puig in the eight and you don't even start Bellinger or Muncy and Dozier's in the one, you don't scare anybody. That lineup isn't scary. When David Freeze is batting behind Justin Turner, it's easy for me to not pitch to Justin Turner, work to get David Freeze out, then see if I can get Manny Machado. But Chris Taylor's hitting behind Manny Machado, so screw that too. Why am I going to pitch to that kid? I'm going to see if he gets himself out. And then, oh, by the way, Matt Kemp, who, don't get me wrong, solid player, has had a good year, bounce back year, resurgence year, maybe comeback player of the year type status for Matt Kemp, has not necessarily been the greatest player in October. Not saying he's been terrible. I'm not saying he's been great. And that's shown off by his 143 batting average through the first two games of the World Series. Small sample size, but the the end of the day says the Red Sox are up 2-0 going to LA. And the last question of all questions is, does this game, excuse me, does this World Series go back to Boston? I, I want to say yes. And I think the only reason why I want to say yes is because I love baseball. And I love the World Series. And I love that we're playing the World Series in October. Do I hate that we had to start the regular season in March for that to happen? Yes. Do I hate that the ratings this year for game one did an 8.2 and for game two did a 9.9, which means essentially 3.7 million people watched game one and 15.5 million people watched game two. Does that make me a little disappointing? Yeah, it, it does. And does a game five, a game six, and a game seven change that? 100%. Um, and for a f- true fan of this game, it doesn't matter who's in the World Series. You just love the drama of a Game 7, reckless starters coming out of the pen. There's no tomorrow for either team. Every single person's available to play. Circa 2016, Chicago Cubs, Cleveland Indians, Game 7. John Madden literally what felt like tried to lose that game for the Chicago Cubs by bringing John Lester in in the fourth inning, I believe it was, with... Runners on base, which is the dumbest decision ever because John Lester is historically terrible with runners on base. Either way, I want to see a Game 7 for that reason, but I don't think it's going to happen. The Red Sox are are ending this series. I think the Dodgers get one. I think it ends in Game 5 on L.A. soil. For Major League Baseball's sake, they need Game 7 because right now I'm not going to kill Major League Baseball. I'm not going to necessarily say it's the game start times because you got to remember, to my point earlier, it's L.A. L.A. is a number two media market, but every game 
in Boston starts at 8 p.m. That's 5 p.m. in LA. That's people finishing their workday. They probably don't get a chance to actually tune into that game. People that probably aren't playing hooky or taking off that day or whatever the case is, they're probably not getting to see that game till by the third or fourth inning. That's going to kill the ratings. That And hey, you know what? My, my girlfriend, my, my father, a lot of people that I know in my life, they work till 6, 6.30, 7, 7.30 p.m. at night. And you can't get out of it because the Dodgers are playing in the World Series. So that then you lose a lot of the number two media market in the world because of that. Boston's the number 10 media market in the world. That That's all well and good. And then you're going to lose a lot of the, the Boston folks because at the end of the day, if you're not in that stadium, I don't care where you're watching from, even if you're on East Coast time, it is hard to stay up and watch a three-hour and 45-minute baseball game. It's hard. It's hard to stay up, especially the early risers in the world that want to get up at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. You don't. You want to watch the end of the World Series game, but you can't because the game's ending at 11.45. Now you can't even keep your head up to watch the end of the game, but yet some of these games are so good. Some of these games are so good. You're seeing such great history, such great performances by guys that, by a team that was the best team in the league, by guys that are perceived to be the best players in the league, a Mookie Betts, a possible MVP candidate, a J.D. Martinez, another possible MVP candidate. You got David Price winning his first two starts in his career in the playoffs. Chris Sale fighting through injury, not looking right, but doing whatever he can. Nathan Eovaldi out of the pen. Kimbrell being historically bad, then being great. Joe Kelly out the pen. Andrew Benatendi, Jackie Bradley Jr., ALCS. Guys, this is why you need to watch baseball. But Major League Baseball, this is why you need to make it more user-friendly. Because at the end of the day, all of those guys sound great and all those performances are cool. But that's me, the diehard baseball fan. What are you doing to lock in the 12, the 13, the 14, the 15-year-old kid? What are you doing? Because... The NBA is doing it great because they're individually marketing each player and then jumping on top of that market for the team's usage and the team's opportunity to increase their fan base, to increase the eyes on their organization. The, the NFL, it's just the it's, to put it into perspective. Here, here's here's what's going to put it into perspective, everybody out there. And this is going to make it make sense as to why Major League Baseball has to, has to, has to look into what they can do to make the game slightly shorter, but also just find a way for the games to not end at 12 o'clock. And I know I've been making the point about how it starts at 5 p.m. in L.A., but maybe there's something that we can do because it's not just the games in L.A. that are making us stay up really, really late. For the Super Bowl, In 2017, the ratings were down 7%. Oh, no. They were down 7%. They went from 111 million viewers to 103.4 million viewers. So here's your perspective. Football dropped 7%, and it was still over 100 million viewers. Baseball dropped 8%. And was barely scratching the surface at 13 and a quarter viewers. Think about that. Think about the difference. The Super Bowl happens once a year. It's like a holiday. The World Series, seven-game event. 
But after a six-month season, 162 games, three rounds of the playoffs, it's cold outside, and oh, by the way, the games end at midnight. There is an issue here, Major League Baseball. There is a serious issue. There's no issues here on the Dab Podcast. I will tell you that, though. And this has been Friday Dab Set 27. It's been a solo dolo episode here with your host, Andrew Romanella. And it has been a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. Get at us on the Twitter. Get at us on the Instagram. It's social media blitz. As Mr. Anthony Rinaldi would say, it's dabpodcast.com. It's dabpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to Anchor. It's an app, Google Play and the iTunes Store. You can download that app, find the Dab Podcast, and you can leave us a voicemail if you want to get your voice on the show. Whatever it is, reach out to us. We want it. And of course, subscribe and rate this thing a five star on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're sponsored by Digme Nation. We're the official podcast of the guy in the tie. We're called the Dab Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Romanella, for my partner on assignment, Anthony Rinaldi. This has been Friday Dab 27, and we are This has been the Dab Podcast, presented by Digme Nation. The Dab Podcast is the official sports podcast of the guy in the tie. Head on over to digmenation.com, use the promo code DIGTHEDAB18, and receive 30% off your next purchase. That's digmenation.com, promo code DIGTHEDAB18.